Well, thank you all for being here. When we rang in the new year just over six months ago, global pandemic was on no one's radar. But later in January, when the first coronavirus case was confirmed in the United States, we began preparing Idaho to respond. There were many unknowns, and to a certain extent, there still are. When community spread was confirmed in multiple parts of Idaho in March, where people are contracting coronavirus, and we didn't know the source of the transmission in their community, we relied on science and put measures in place to abruptly show the spread of this unwelcome disease across our state. The no action alternative would have been catastrophic. Our collective efforts worked and continue to work. Idaho's have done a tremendous job protecting themselves and their neighbors. By the end of April, we saw a consistent leveling off of new cases. While many businesses remained open and continue to operate, others had to curtail operations due to the pandemic, leaving thousands out of work. Out of work Idahoans filed more than 145,000 claims for unemployment benefits during the 11 weeks since COVID-19, since the COVID-19 state of emergency declaration. Almost two and a half times the total number of claims filed in all of 2019. My heart goes out to all those who lost jobs or income during this global pandemic. Despite the hardship, we are better off in Idaho than elsewhere. Idaho was one of the last states with a confirmed case and one of the first states with a concrete plan in place to reopen the economy safely and responsibly in stages. Today, nearly all businesses can open their doors. Idahoans are getting back to work safely. However, more than 60% of Americans who are out of work because of the pandemic earn more with enhanced unemployment benefits than they do from their normal wages. This is not a bad thing, but it may create some hesitancy to go back to work. Now is the time for us to provide Idahoans with a financial incentive to return to work and ensure our economic rebound is swift and robust. To accomplish that, we are providing $100 million for Idahoans as return to work bonuses. We are working with the Idaho Workforce Development Council on a plan to make federal relief dollars available to Idaho workers eligible for unemployment benefits since March as a return to work bonus. The one-time return to work bonuses will be provided to the worker upon return to the workplace. Under our plans, $1,500 cash bonuses will go to those working full-time and part-time workers will receive a $750 cash bonus after return to work. Information on eligibility and how to apply will be finalized by the Workforce Development Council and Coronavirus Financial Advisory Committee, and we will be available at rebound.idaho.gov by June 15th. I wanna thank Idahoans for their determination during this difficult and uncertain time. 
I'm confident Idaho will rebound more quickly than many other states. We have been through challenges before, and we have come out stronger. With, with that, I'm glad to take your questions on this issue. Melissa. Well, they'll get both, uh, uh, and, and of course, even as delayed as some of those payments are, uh, they, will, uh, they will receive uh, this bonus plus uh, their accrued um, amount, depending upon whether it's traditional UI or the PUA, so they'll get both. But it's not going to be going back to the No, it, this is a first-come, first-served program, basically, to have an incentive for both the employers and the employees to put people back to work. Yes. I believe so. I haven't visited this morning, uh, but we have uh, given serious consideration uh, to ramping up the number of people in the call center. The limiting factor is in these complicated uh, claims, and there's plenty of them, in these complicated claims, the call center can handle some of it, but then some of it has to go to people that understand the intricacies of both the state plan and the, and the old federal plan and the new federal plan. So that's kind of our limitation. But if we don't hit that limitation, we will put on more uh, people in the call center. Well, it's varied uh, uh, around Idaho, uh, but you know, you drive down the street and you see, uh, uh, you know, we need help, it's help wanted signs. So it, it's varied. Obviously, the construction, particularly the residential construction business, all over the state is going going well, as has been the case from the get-go on this. Anybody related to the hospitality industry in any way, shape, or form, travel hotels, restaurants, bars, uh, any of those are where there's issues, even as fully opened as we are, uh, there's some hesitancy of people to go back to work. So it's varied manufacturing, jobs are coming back, uh, uh, things look good from that aspect. But until people have more confidence, uh, the hospitality industry is going to continue to be challenged. Well, we went, and matter of fact, Idaho, I think we're second or third in the nation with the percent of, of uh, our claims that are handled online. And basically, all those offices are, uh, the ones that we had uh, previously, are a place where you go down and, and get online. Uh, so there aren't, there aren't the resources and the, and the skill set there, particularly these these complicated cases, which is what we're starting to get to. We're starting to get the more generic cases out of the way, but the real backlog is in these more complicated cases. 
where we have to do verification, in some instances, back three, four, and five employees, uh, employers, uh, to do the verification by law. Yes, Keith. You, you you do good math, Keith. Well, we anticipate it won't be enough, but but we're putting this out as bait to get the economy going. Uh, we, you know, if we said it's going to be available all the time, uh, you know, our our incentive, and I, I can let Alex talk about it. Our incentive is we want people if they come to a fork in the road and it's shall I start next week or shall I start in two months? This if if this runs out, as actually we hope it does, we hope everybody goes back to work, uh, we want that incentive there. And the longer we put it, the slower people will go back to work. Did I, uh, Alex, do you want to address part of that? Thank you, uh, Keith. So to your question, how many Idahoans would be served? It's going to depend on how many come back full-time versus part-time since there's tiered uh, grants. Uh, we anticipate that this would serve around 70,000 uh, Idahoans. And... Um, Certainly, uh, one of the things we're looking at is how much will be left over unused from the small business grants. And uh, depending on how much is unused from those, we might be able to supplement uh, this program uh, to a larger extent to cover all Idahoans who might be eligible. Go ahead, Keith. Well, well, Keith's question is uh, a widely reported story about uh, some of the claims in the state of Washington uh, basically having a cyber attack. I think the money was uh, routed through Africa where a lot of cyber attacks uh, take place. That has been part of our issue is that if you look at Idaho, our fraud prevention laws, uh, not only the federal laws, but the state laws are very high about what we have to do. And so that has been part of the issue with our, uh, with our system being slow is all that confirmation we have to do to prevent fraud. Uh, it breaks my heart about these people that are not getting their benefits, but there's these protocols uh, from either the federal government or in law that we have to go through. I'm sure that clever people are probably going to uh, get into the system and and, and some of it is not necessarily all nefarious. Some of it is uh, claims were filled out wrong, and that's what we're trying to get through. But to my knowledge, on a, on a magnitude basis, we don't have a, a lot of uh, uh, cases that have been flagged as being uh, uh, from fraudulent people. No, uh, I, I don't. We haven't. We haven't seen any from other states, have we, Alex? Uh, that's uh, you know, it, it was in our the the CFAC committee, the Financial Advisory Committee, our Rebounds Committee. It was the input we were getting from them. 
the input I was getting from legislators, from uh, businesses, from uh, other people that uh, the level of compensation uh, was was so high that you know people would just it, it wasn't that they were saying they wouldn't go back to work. It was just this big incentive for them not to go back to work. The, the $600 add-on terminates either the 25th of July or the end of July, July 31st. So we're putting this in to try and incentivize people to say, uh, both the employer and the employee, uh, to say, let's get back to work. And that's, that, is, that is part of the motivation for us to do that. Yes, March 1st. What have you been hearing from the businesses? Because obviously that's a big challenge for them um, as they try to get up and running again to, you know, have this, this leadership. Um, have you well, well, I mean, uh, we, we've been hearing uh, a lot from businesses. And, you know, one of the issues is there's a risk premium uh, to employees uh, going back to work. So, I mean, even... Uh, if, if it wasn't for the financial incentive, there's that, there's that risk out there. Uh, one of the things we've been doing for businesses is our, our PPE uh, uh, fulfillment center that's just across the street, and we're current. The claims we had, uh, uh, the claims we had for PPE. So, you know, part of the, our, the, the problem with economy and, and getting businesses back to work were people's comfort level, having enough PPE and inventory, all those other things. So uh, I think the combination of this incentive, the rebound grants, the PPP from the federal government, and our, uh, there's too many P's in all these acronyms, but one of them is a, a, a program for businesses, and the other one is, a, is the mass uh, hand sanitizer and gloves, which is being put out of the, out of the uh, Department of Administration. Believe me, we talk to a lot of people, and it is a. Uh, if I could wave a wand and have it fixed, we are addressing that through multiple fronts. Uh, the, the first thing we did was start paying overtime. The second thing we did was call back uh, former employees that had the technical expertise in the complexity of unemployment. There's almost 80 different issues uh, that some of these claims. Uh, uh, have to address that, you know, how it's filled out, identifying your previous employers, uh, filling the form out right. There's about 80 different issues. So we put uh, more uh, overtime, more phone lines, more people, new people. We have to train the new people, the call center, and then we've also got outside consultants uh, looking at what we're doing here and what's happening in other states and how we can automate some of these more vanilla uh, claims, the most complicated ones because of the laws from the federal government and the state government really require a, a highly skilled claims person to address. So we're, we are looking at every option. If somebody's got another one, I'll, we'll look at it.
Well, we're running full force. The question is, can we add? Because if I go hire another 20 people, I got to take some of the people that are now handling claims and put them in to training those other people. So that's part of the issue. We think we've got a balanced. We're, I'm pleasantly surprised. The report I got was that uh, the call center has been able to handle quite a few of these claims before they have to refer them to those other ones. And I'm saying, well, if they can do that as they get trained, the call center people get trained, uh, we can maybe ramp up the call center more. So we're, we're looking at all the options. Alyssa. Well, uh, if it's in rules, we can do it. If it's in law, we ha we, we've, we've got a bigger issue. Uh, there's probably two aspects of it. One of them is, uh, is the uh, previous employment history and, and verifying that, uh, that previous employment history. And we've looked at that. We've had the Attorney General look at it. Uh, uh, that's, uh, that's, that's one of the big issues. We, we've, if, if I could do it regulatorily, uh, we'd be doing it right now. Uh, but these are statutory, and we've looked at them, and they're pretty complex. And and unwinding them uh, is one of the things that I didn't want to do in all the rules saying I didn't want to undermine the legislative intent. The legislative intent is that we have a very low level of fraud. Uh, I, I got a quote in one of my notes from one of the other states, They and but it's a good one. If I can remember it, I will try. Uh, but the issue is, for years, we've built a system to slow uh, and create incentives for people uh, to not file for unemployment to work. Now we've flipped the switch. Now we're trying to get this money out, and we've got that old system that's kind of slowing us down. And this was from a quote I got from somebody. Maybe it was one of the governor's uh, uh, communications. And that's the problem at all the states. Some of the states have implemented some technology that we don't have here in Idaho that that by default when you're filling out the form you're answering some of the questions as I said earlier we're one of the top states in filing but we get them filed and then all of a sudden these 80 issues pop up and we don't have a very we don't have a good automated system to address those 80 complaints and that's what's slowing down the system Uh, about which, John? It was a good one. Well, I, I think that's part of the uh, wisdom of the recommendation from CDC about staged opening. Uh, we wanted to maintain, I don't know where, why I didn't bring my prop, uh, Emily, uh, uh, but uh, that healthcare capacity, we wanted to maintain that healthcare capacity, and we opened everything up at once. We were worried about it, but, but that story uh, was a good one because it talked about the fact uh, that there's some peer pressure between bars and, and customers to do the right thing. That's going to continue as we go on. Uh, 
and particularly we have better testing and better tracing to where if some event happens and we have more cases, the public, the businesses, the employees will all know about it. And so that, the point was, they had them scattered out in the bar, but the waiting room to get in was a place where there was, uh, uh, where it was uh, physical distancing was almost impossible. So uh, th that's a case in point, and that's, I'm gonna need your help uh, as we go forward, uh, the uh, press's help in making that point to patrons, employees, and businesses about the right thing to do to continue to protect our sacrifice that we all made during this last eight or nine weeks and that that good progress we've made will be lost if we have a super spreader event. You know, uh, John, the, uh, some of the empirical evidence of Memorial Day weekend uh, is that there were a lot of horror stories about Memorial Day weekend. Uh, but the fact that almost all these closer uh, activities were outside and we haven't seen a spike in number goes back to what uh, Dr. Hahn and Dr. Bridges told my coronavirus working group early is that there's every indication that this coronavirus is very susceptible to UV light. And so uh, outside, I, I was always puzzled by these states uh, that had their, had sunbathing uh, banned where people are out by themselves in the sun and why that was such a, uh, a, a, a problem. I mean, unless you're right next to somebody, that perhaps may be one of the safest places you could be. And we're seeing that empirical evidence as we see places where there's high densities of people and there's no spread. It's because they're outside, there's good ventilation and, and that UV light. And I think we're gonna see that on playgrounds. Uh, the issue in playgrounds is gonna be less if it's in the sunshine, but you, you wanna worry about the bathrooms and some of those other areas because there's, there's very good evidence. Uh, we were one of the first states to go out and get UV light we use in the food processing industry and, and modify it for air circulation, particularly in long-term care facilities. Uh, that's above my pay grade. The National Guard Bureau, uh, we've still got guards here. The National Guard Bureau, uh, as is often the case in uh, whatever the disaster is, asked if, if we had some people. I checked, talked to General Garshak. Uh, I, I says, you know, what's your, uh, what's your recommendation? It says these, are, these people are ready to go. They're ready to serve. Uh, you know, these are some of the people that, uh, that you know, we've been talking about for what other other uses we we can have? That's uh, uh, that wasn't the case yesterday when we got the call from the guard bureau. So. But as far as the guards, it seemed like it was a voluntary thing, yes. and they had no problem filling the filling the spot. Yeah, it was like Idaho has been our Idaho. That, that, that's a very good point. They uh, the fact that uh, almost instantly uh, we had uh, that big of a 
contingent that was ready to go, uh, and not that I have anything against Washington, D.C., but uh, uh, that they, they were ready and willing to go on a voluntary basis, and I think it just speaks to not only the Guard, but Idahoans uh, also. So um, Godspeed. I hope they stay safe. And um, they're, my understanding is these Guards, uh, 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 men and women, will be uh, embedded with uh, park police, other police, uh, other functions. Uh, they won't be out on their own. They'll be uh, basically backup like the Guard is often used. But, they didn't, they didn't ask to take any of our tanks. You know, it's almost like they're, they're bringing them on to kind of give uh, the guards an operation. Yeah, some of, these, some of these areas have just had a, uh, you know, a lot of activity. And, and, uh, and, and everything you do uh, during this uh, pandemic uh, has a higher friction cost in it. You know, spacing, hygiene, all those things you do. So uh, what... And there was, uh, I think I read a couple of reports this morning about our you know, upcoming fire season. It's the same thing, fire firefighting, we had a uh, little talk about that at the land board is, uh, are we prepared for a whole different regime for firefighting? Well, I mean, I think uh, uh, the, um, the people that attended, uh, the organizers, uh, obviously uh, the, the Capitol, uh, the staff here at the Capitol Mall, uh, our Idaho State Police, uh, the Boise Police, I have conversations with, uh, with the mayor. Uh, it was exemplary. There, were, there was a lot of friction uh, there at, at certain times, and uh, I'm very pr proud of them. But I think it, the tone was set when they had that event by all the Idahoans that showed up there uh, to voice their concern about the issue about George Floyd's death and the and the uh, and that part of it, and and that set the tone uh, for a much more uh, rational discussion about the entire issue of, of uh, discrimination uh, of police issues. I would add, you said about the number of, of shootings in Idaho, um, the, the training uh, that our public safety officers go through today compared to the training that was a generation ago uh, is paying off in spades now because they just, they are really uh, able to handle a, a critical situation with great finesse and grace. What would you say the Well, I, I mean the 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 net of the of the activity from both sides was uh, was the fact that uh, people have a right of redress, they have the uh, right of free speech, uh, they have all those rights to travel, and I think uh, the. The net of it is, I think people, I know people did the right thing in Idaho. So. One more question. Just to understand, when the National Guard comes down with their directive like that, do you have any options for authority, or do you need to back in kind of up 
No, I, that, it, was, it was my call. Uh, some, some states, I think we were the 12th state. Uh, some states didn't send, but some states had, uh, you know, had their guard deployed in a lot of other areas. Uh, you know, our guard was supposed to be uh, in Europe right now. So uh, uh, they were queued up uh, to go to Europe, so they were around and available. So it's the governor's, uh, you know, when the Guard Bureau calls up or another state calls up, uh, the governors are the, ultimately the people that make the decisions. So. Well, why did you because the, uh, I was asked by the National Guard Bureau and, uh, and, and the senior staff at the Guard said it was a, a good thing to do. So, one more question. Well, always. I mean, we, we put those benchmarks in for a reason. The most critical of all the different benchmarks is our, our ICU hospital bed capacity, and it is still good, but if you have those other numbers that are in the criteria, you know, you run out of PPE, you, you have a, a, a big spike in numbers. Uh, it, it's, it's really been regional recently. It's like it's been, it started in the Wood River Valley, flowed down to Twin Falls, came over here, and now it's just going up the Snake River, it seems like. Uh, and a lot of it is just people's awareness. Uh, some of these communities where they didn't have a lot of cases where, oh, it won't be here, and now, we're, now we've got communities, confirmed community spread in almost all the counties, so, but for sure in all the regions. So, Okay, Keith, last question. Uh, I was, uh, I think people are ready to go back to work, but as I've said all along, there's not a safety healthcare silo and an economic silo. The, the confidence of employees, uh, customers, consumers, and even people that are getting ready to deploy capital uh, needs to be, people need to uh, know they're safe. If we continue to manage this, and we are not going to, this is not going to be eliminated until uh, there's either a great treatment or, or uh, most likely a vaccine. Uh, we have got to manage this, and I think we've shown, uh, we've shown that we are and we will continue to do that. About the tagging on the Capitol building, I was, I was very sad about it. I was, uh, it was good that uh, our law enforcement, both, uh, both the security here at the Capitol, our, my Idaho State Police and the Boise City uh, Police worked together, and uh, and of course the reaction from people around uh, the state has been, uh, this is unacceptable, and uh, it was unacceptable. But uh, we will uh, we will get it taken care of. Uh, everybody in Idaho loves this old building, and we want to take care of it. And uh, I know it was a. Uh, a stupid thing and not the right thing, and uh, uh, we will go on. And and I mean, even part of the uh, people that were part of the that that was where I heard uh, most of the outcry were from people that uh, wanted to show up here and and erase that, which is a little difficult on this sandstone. So, with that, thank you all very much.